0: Welcome to the Envisioneering Exchange podcast series. This podcast is produced by Danfoss and will address the changing landscape of our industry and the effect on technology and business with topics ranging from refrigerant and energy efficiency regulations and standards to the impacts of climate change and the trends like digitalization and electrification. Since 1933, Danfoss has been engineering technologies to help build a better, smarter, and more efficient tomorrow. Today, our innovative solutions are used around the world to help meet the need for energy-efficient infrastructure, a safe food supply, and reduced climate impact. In our first episode, John Sheff will talk about refrigerant regulations. We welcome feedback and suggestions for this series by email at solutions
1: Hi, my name is John Chef. I'm the Director of Public and Industry Affairs here at Danfoss, and uh, I'm joined here by our resident refrigerant expert, Dean Groff. Dean, why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Uh, hello, I'm Dean Groff. I am the Service Contracts Manager here at Danfoss for the food retail business.
1: Great. Uh, so, for today's episode, we're going to take an overview of the refrigerant landscape, discuss how we got here, and, and kind of where we're going. So, uh, let's just jump in. Um, so, Dean, Tell me a little bit about the the general landscape here in North America uh, at the national level. We know that uh, the states are going their own direction. Uh, how do we get to this point? Yeah, John, so yeah it's it's
0: really confusing in the in the u s. Um, the regulations as far as refrigerants, and it got complicated simply because of a court ruling. Um, the EPA originally worked under the guise of the Clean Air Act to regulate uh, Class one and Class two. Um, gases, Uh, basically ozone depleting substances. Um, They started regulating those, they came up with a list of approved alternatives, or what the SNAP program is, is significant new alternatives program. Um, Once they got into that, they started to realize that, hey, some of these refrigerants that we're selecting to use are really not good for the environment, that they're global warming gases. Um, So, after they got into this, they decided that under the Clean Air Act, they actually had authority to regulate these refrigerants. Um, So they instituted SNAP Rule 20 and then followed by SNAP Rule 21. And as soon as they did the SNAP Rule 20, there was a lawsuit that was filed by Arkema and Mexicom stating that um, they didn't think that the EPA had statutory authority to regulate global warming gases.
1: And uh, Arkham and Mexicam are two chemical companies that manufacture some of these refrigerants. That is correct, yeah. Okay, and uh, we've all heard the word Kigali. How does that play into this? Okay, so so the
0: Kigali Amendment is um, global agreement on the phase down of global warming gases. Okay, so it's it's all about trying to regulate the global warming potential out there in the atmosphere. Um, Currently, the United States has not signed on to the Kigali Amendment. It hasn't been uh, ratified by the Congress, which it needs to be.
1: Very good. Um, Now, we talk about opening the Clean Air Act and and what this lawsuit by the two chemical manufacturers Mm -hmm. uh, did. Um, There's currently legislation that's been dropped in uh, the US Senate, the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act, that would allow EPA to uh, regulate uh, this phase down. Uh, how is that different from SNAP 20 and 21? So, right now,
0: what the, what the court, court actually decided was that the Clean Air Act didn't give the EPA statutory authority to regulate global warming gases. It only gave them the statutory authority to regulate um, ozone depleting gases. And what the court said was because you've had a particular entity move away from a ozone depleting gas, you can't further regulate them and say you need to move away from that gas into something else. Um, they said that because of the word replace that's in there, once you've replaced a global warming refrigerant for something else, you can't turn around and regulate them to do something else. Um, so without that ability in the Clean Air Act, really the EPA needs some other statutory authority to regulate these refrigerants moving forward or take another approach to it, where in the past they had regulated manufacturers. Um, they could actually go out there and regulate end users that
1: they didn't do today, but that's very complex. Okay Dean, so even though the US federal government has said they're not going to implement SNAP 20 and 21, has that precluded Canada from doing anything?
0: No, in fact Canada has went ahead and moved forward. Normally, Canada tries to harmonize with what the U.S. codes are. But in this case, Canada went ahead and moved forward and adopted essentially what is SNAP rule 20 and 21. They don't approve or disapprove uh, refrigerants. They list it by the GDPP level in their regulations. And they went ahead and implemented that. So even though it's not in effect for most of the U.S. with exceptions of the states that are moving forward, in Canada is a regulation and a law.
1: And Canada has ratified the Kigali Amendment, is that
0: right? Absolutely. Canada has ratified it, and they are moving forward. And in, if you look at some of the provinces, they're even going above and beyond what is required by the current Canadian regulations. And which
1: province would that be?
0: Um, so if you look at what Quebec has proposed, Quebec has proposed issues that are more in line with where CARB is looking to head with their regulations.
1: And this is all being driven by Quebec's own emissions uh, goals that they've put forth. Is that's, that right? That's correct. Yeah. Interesting. Um, And, and again, uh, to clarify, had the U.S. implemented Kigali or implemented SNAP 20 and 21, that would have achieved the first two step downs in the Kigali phase down. Is that right? Theoretically, looking at the numbers, it should have achieved most of that. Correct. Yeah.
0: And then that's where you're looking at, like California took up the banner really quick because they needed to achieve these, not only meet Kigali, but they needed to be ahead of what Kigali was requiring.
1: And Kigali is a, a tenant of uh, the U.S. Climate Alliance and their they're pact. Yes, it is. Okay. So uh, the American <laughs> Innovation Manufacturing Act has been dropped in the Senate. It's working its way through and it's unclear uh, what the outcome of that will be. But, bar- but supposing that that does not pass, um, which it seems unlikely to in this Congress and with this president. Um, How are we moving forward? What's the U.S. Climate Alliance? What are they doing? Okay. So, when the court ruling came out and it was clear that there wasn't going to be a whole lot
0: of activity at the federal level, um, because the way the Clean Air Act's written, it doesn't have a preemptive clause. So, even whatever they do at the federal level, the states can still do whatever they think's in their best interest moving forward. So, when there was a lack of action or a void in these regulatory affairs, um, the states took it upon themselves to start taking the banner and running with it. And this is being led by California and what is the Climate Alliance. Um, and, and they're taking up the task of doing these regulations. And of course, California has been the lead on this through several aspects, whether it be the in the vehicle emissions clauses or, in our case, the uh, California Air Resources Board regulation of refrigerants. So.
1: Great. So, California is out leading the way. What exactly is California proposing? So, the initial proposal that California had was simply um, to pick up and
0: where the EPA had left off and adopt most of what SNAP Rule 20 was and some of SNAP Rule 21. Um, after it, shortly after they passed that, they, actu- they came back and passed the LORA bill which is um, 1013. And that actually adopted all of SNAP Rule 20 and 21 verbatim. Um, They're taking it a step further and looking at other ways they can regulate this, uh, but they're all proposals at this time.
1: So, Dean, let's dig in a little bit on on what exactly is happening in California and kind of how we got there. Um, What is California now proposing for... Uh, air conditioning.
0: So in, in California, what they're proposing for air conditioning is, is mirroring what SnapRail 20 had for the chiller market. And they're wanting to set the GWP level at 750. Um, they're also proposing this for rooftop units as well. And really the industry approached CARB and and said, this is what we would like to do, and provided CARB with the implementation date. And that implementation date was trying to coincide with building codes and regulations as well.
1: And how does that differ from what happened in refrigeration? So
0: on the refrigeration side, because part of it was already passed, if you if you remember when we were talking earlier, the um, SNAP rule 2021 were implemented by California, and then they followed that up with the Laura bill. Um, so part of the refrigeration side was already implemented, and it was part of the EPA program. And California really looked at it, and they said, we, we want to regulate more and be stricter, and they need to. Um, so what they've proposed currently is that any refrigeration system with a charge greater than 50 pounds, they want to see that GWP level
1: below 150. And it seems like at this point in the process, while these are still proposals, these are the numbers that will go out for public comment. What is still up in the air, particularly on the, on the refrigeration side? So on the refrigeration side, California also wants to include industrial process
0: chillers as part of this Um, and there are areas I believe that in in the industrial process chiller where it'll be a challenge to meet this 150 GWP requirement or 750 GWP requirement um, simply because it's a broad range of products that are being cooled and a broad broad range of sizes and refrigerants that are used today so I'm not sure that it's going to be a simple solution. Um, So there's challenges there. There are also challenges with the timing
1: and the codes and dealing with flammable refrigerants That's interesting, and so I know one of the the sticking points is also a definition of new equipment versus retrofit and who will have to comply with this um, 150 GWP limit in refrigeration. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so under the CARB proposals, um, they're really defining two different things, there are new systems and then there are what they call the retrofit systems. If you look at the EPA, they define retrofit as changing out the refrigerant from one refrigerant to another. What EPA said is they require, they consider it, or not the EPA, what CARB has said is that they consider it a new system, and this is their definition currently, when greater than 50% of the system cost has been replaced over a three-year period or cumulative cost over three years and then it's requ- that's considered a new system. Then when it's this new system, then it has to fall under the guise of requiring them to meet the new guidelines as far as GWP and refrigerants.
1: Wow, so if they're replacing more than 50% of their system over a three-year period, even if it doesn't necessarily impact the, the refrigerant system, they could be forced to change refrigerants.
0: Right now, the way it's written, that could be,
1: yeah. And that, that has a potential to, to really impact the industry, particularly uh, grocers who are existing in the state already.
0: Yes and then it it also centers around what what do you call repair and replace, right? Um, What are you considering as part of the cumulative cost of this repair? Are you just replacing doors on a display case or is it strictly just part of the refrigeration system? And it's really getting a clear understanding of what this definition is going to be. Um, Right now it's pretty vague in the way it could be interpreted.
1: And so, what is the industry doing now uh, to to help CARB kind of understand this? So, the HRI has been working pretty diligently
0: to try to define what an acceptable definition of new would be and retrofit would be. Um, It's been proposed to CARB, it's under review, and we're just going to have to wait and see on how it turns out, what CARB comes back, whether they adjust it or not.
1: And with the technology available right now, uh, what are the options available to Uh, store owners and end-users to get under this 150 GWP limit that that's being proposed.
0: So for the current proposal greater than 50 pounds, really you're going to have to go to a natural refrigerant, whether it be ammonia, CO2, or some sort of R290 cascade type system.
1: And what do you think is driving this further regulation? Why is California going farther than uh, what the US federal government was proposing?
0: So it's really in the way that they measure their potential emissions of global warming gases or um, ozone-depleting gases, and then that the Kigali Amendment and the way that other countries are looking at it is they really look at the new refrigerants coming in on the market. California looks at it of the potential warming effect of the current refrigerants in place, or what they call the banked refrigerants. So that means they're starting from a higher level, that they've got to react
1: quicker in order to meet their guidelines. And, and this means that California is looking at regulating resi- residential air conditioning, like commercial air conditioning. That's outside of SNAP twenty and twenty one.
0: Yeah, so the, they're going much farther than where SNAP twenty and twenty one are. They're looking at regulating um, a, a lot of different things. Uh, Process chillers is one category that the uh, EPA didn't tackle. Um, SNAP rule twenty one addressed chillers, but they were comfort cooling chillers. Um, so. California is looking at the whole spectrum of refrigerants and where they're used and trying to get their hands around all of
1: that. And so this is causing a, a major impact on on how us as component suppliers and our customers, OEMs, are, are viewing the market. Now, I think when some of this uh, happened, people were fearing there would be 50 different markets. I don't think there will be 50, but let's talk about how the market may be fractured going forward.
0: Yeah, so right now, if most of the states in the Climate Alliance are Picking up some form of SNAP Rule 20 or 21. Um, so, so that's fairly straightforward in the market as far as suppliers. We're really ready for those two regulations because for SNAP 20, most of them were either effective or would have been effective within the next year or two when the court ruling came out. So most of those are already in place. Um, Where it becomes a little bit more difficult is when you dig down into the weeds and look at how it's being implemented. And they've got different requirements like record keeping, reporting, labeling. All of those things present themselves as different challenges to OEM manufacturers and how that relates, especially to all the different states that are implementing this. Uh, If everybody requires a different systems for reporting, for record keeping, for labeling, it becomes very difficult when you're looking at 20 plus states doing it in different manners. So it's really gonna be important moving forward that the states really work together to create one common language, one common process to do this.
1: And let's talk about that. So I think there's some good news in that we see some of these other climate alliance states, Maryland, Delaware, Massachusetts. Now it seems like they are talking a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. From what we're seeing um, in the language that are coming out of the different states, they're really starting to, to be are starting to use a more common language and everything, and they're adopting the same terminology. And there's some things we probably would like to do as far as addressing the terminology that they're using, um, but it's being very consistent, which is key, in order to get this implemented. What we don't want is, what, like what you stated earlier, is a 50-state solution where every state is going to be different, because that'll be something that's just going to be impossible for the industry to follow.
1: And I think that is playing itself out. We see uh, the states, like you said, the Climate Alliance communicating, HRI, our main trade group is there working with them every step away. So that's good news. Um, so finally, what, what are some of the barriers to this transition to low GWP refrigerants that we're seeing and, and what's going to keep some of these states from implementing?
0: So a, lo- a lot of the challenges going forward is that if you really want to get below the 700, 750 level for GWP, you're looking at refrigerants that are either natural refrigerants, um, propane, um, CO2, or ammonia, things like that. Or you're looking at a derivative of a HFO and A2L or something like that, or lower flammability. The issue with a lot of those is the codes and standards aren't caught up with the regulations yet. And we've got to, as an industry, work aggressively, and we are to get those written and put in place so we can actually adopt these
1: flammable refrigerants. And we'll dig into some of these codes and standards a little bit later in, in other episodes, but just uh, broadly, what are some of the concerns from safety officials, fire officials, people like that? From the fi- fire officials, from
0: what I've heard in the meetings I've been at, is they're concerned about knowing what's out there, where it's at, and what it can do. And and they're just, it's the the uncertainty about it, you know? they they. They're not comfortable with it yet, and we need to do a better job in making them more comfortable with this. And that goes for contractors too, right? Absolutely. yeah. Contractors, so there needs to be a lot of training on the contractor in on the safe use of refrigerants and the f- safe use of flammable refrigerants.
1: Very good. Well, I think that, that covers a lot of the uh, the basics and the overview and gives us a good landscape of, of what's happening in refrigerants. And in subsequent episodes, we'll, we'll dive a little deeper into some of these topics. Thanks, Dean. Okay, thank you.
2: This podcast is for information purposes only. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the envisionering exchange podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and not necessarily represent those of Danfoss LLC and its employees. Danfoss LLC is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy. Any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening on this site, this podcast series does not constitute professional advice or services. This podcast, including Danfoss LLC and the producers disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects of information contained herein opinions guests are their own and danfoss llc in this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility of statements made by guests this podcast does not make any representations or warranties about the guest qualifications or credibility individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein this podcast is available for private non-commercial use only you may not edit modify or redistribute this podcast the developers of the envisionering exchange podcast site assume no liability for any activities in connection with this podcast or for use of this podcast in connection with any other website computer or playing device.